we are live. Live and live in color. Oh, wait. We probably can't see that. <laughs> we probably get sued or something. So, did you meet any Black people this week? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> this week, my only encounter with a person of color who seemed to be of mixed race, but we're going to call him Black because of how the world works these days. I was in a car accident this week, driving to work on Tuesday, and uh, traffic was moving, and then everyone in front of me suddenly stopped, so I suddenly stopped, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I got rear-ended, and I was like, crap, what do I do now? So I used my hands free, called my husband Will, got the license plate, told him to text it to me, and I like pulled over, I was, we were in the far left lane, and I pulled over to let him like get off with me, like create space so yeah. he could exit. Yeah. And he wasn't exiting. So I moved up next to him and was like, hey, are you going to, we going to pull over? And he goes, why the F would I pull over? You stopped short. It was your fault. And wow. And I exited right. And that was that. So, yes, that is the only black person I've met this week in the good old state of California. How about you, Laura? Did you meet any new black people this week? Damn. Um, I did I look through my social calendar <laughs> to remind myself, but I really don't need to look at my social calendar to remember every time I meet a black person. No, but last week, so two weeks ago, I did meet a person of Asian descent. That was the closest to a person of color that I have interacted Where with. Where did you meet this person of Asian descent? It was at a bicycle party. Okay. okay. Yes. So she's cool. And she says she works with people of color that her entire office it, the staff are people of color and I was like what what does she do are they hiring they, <laughs> they we gonna find out she is the deputy director for something in relation to okay. transportation yeah and okay. yeah I was like a word and I was like look I'm gonna be away for two weeks but I have Siri who's gonna remind me in two weeks to hit her up because we're gonna be friends because she's a local the closest I have to a black friend in Portland so there's yeah. that Fix it like Jesus. Fix it like Jesus. Fix it like Jesus. Fix it like Jesus. I had to mute myself because I would have laughed and that would have probably ruined the audio because that, that, that's just funny. That's good. That makes my heart smile. But it makes me laugh. <laughs> but why, why Fix It Black Jesus? Why is that the name of our podcast? Um... For me, anyway, I can, only, yeah. I can only speak for myself. I think that the idea of a white Jesus is one of the biggest lies ever. Not Maybe not the biggest, definitely not the first, but it is a very large lie, and I don't understand how it's been perpetuated for this long. You're saying the white man is perpetuating lies about somebody who's black? What? How dare okay, you say such a thing? Okay, so I understand exactly how it's been perpetuated for this long. Um, and it, it annoys me. So I make a point, as obnoxious as some people find it, mm -hmm. to refer to him as Black Jesus. Okay. okay. Just in case they were under the impression that I believed in White Jesus, because I do not. <laughs> do you believe I, in Black Jesus? Oh, oh Jesus. I do believe in Black Jesus. He okay. didn't speak English. He was not from America. Someone okay. told me that he, that some people think he is a white man <laughs> wearing cowboy boots in Texas or something. But do they do they know about timelines and like when, like how did 
how the Bible is set up. I don't. And, yeah. mm, I mean, I think Santa is black, but that's a whole, that's a totally different thing. Um, are you a religious person? Would you consider, consider yourself a person that is in the um, faith, if you no. will? I'm not a religious person. I do believe in a greater power than ourselves. I do believe that there is a higher being, but I do feel that religion has been used as an excuse for a lot of evil. And organized religion is something that I'm not super into. And I did grow up in the church. I grew up as a Christian, um, but I did find myself in a bit of a culty situation for a while. Mm, my mom is in one of those. I love you, mama. <laughs> and I understand they're like your family, but I think they were cold. And that mm-hmm. kind of turned me off to, um, cause it was like a, we welcome you kind of thing. And then it all of a sudden turned into me being a heathen. And I was mm. like, I don't know about that. No, so yes, no. I, I do consider myself a believer of God and Jesus, but I wouldn't consider myself a religious person if that makes sense okay i can dig it but my family is my grandmama is and i love her to death and i don't distrust her belief and i think yeah i i don't know i don't think it's for me it can be a good thing but my issue with it is that it is often used for bad things and i'm not i'm not good with that you're not good with bad things i think that's cool that should be on a t-shirt not good with bad things yeah (laughs) yeah what about you? Are you religious? That's not the first word I would use to describe my relationship with higher beings. I do, I will admittedly use the word God and the universe almost interchangeably when I'm speaking of a greater power. Um, I will say, in my mind, God is the person that speaks his name. So to say, like, you find God in yourself, if that makes any sense. But I grew up Catholic. Mama grew up Catholic. Now Mama's in another religion. You went to Catholic school or you just went to a Catholic church? I went to Catholic school, Catholic church, Catholic baptism. Oh, all the Catholic, things. All of the white dresses you have to wear okay. many Were times. confirmed, right? That's confirmed. I did the confirmation. And then after okay. I did the confirmation, because that was seventh grade and eighth grade, that's when I had learned that if you're Catholic, the Catholic religion is against abortions and gay people. And that's when I decided I was no longer, I could no longer identify as a Catholic because okay. I was So not you're not against, against abortions or gay people as well. Correct. So no, we haven't done, Laura. Nor have that, I've never, wait, what? You know what we have not done? We have what? not said our names or why we are here. That's <laughs> true. What this is for. We just started talking. Nobody knows what this is. What your name is? Well, my name is Aisha McGowan. <laughs> What's your Hi, name? Aisha. <laughs> and I'm Laura Solis. Oh, hello, Laura. <laughs> this is Fix It Black Jesus. Yeah. Fix It Black Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry. These songs already happened. I just got really excited. So my only real interaction with the Catholic Church, I mean, most of my friends were brought up Catholic, but it wasn't really something that we talked about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I once, I'm a musician, and in high school, actually, we went and performed with a choir at a Catholic church, and just above the exit of that Catholic church, there was a sign that said, Judas was the first to leave Mass. Oh, damn. And I was like, oh, that's that that Catholic guilt they be talking about. Don't leave early. (laughs) Don't leave early. 
See, I always heard about Catherine Hill, but that's like the first time I was like, Ooh. oh, okay. Y'all is about it. Like that that stings because wow. we know what you did. Wow. <laughs> we know what I've he ne- did. I've never heard that one. That's oh, tough. That's- my, feelings, my feelings were hurt. I was like, oh my Lord. Yeah, I don't want to be a heathen. Um, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Anyhow, speaking of high school, um, actually you said high school, you said music. This makes me think of afros. Uh, mm-hmm. I know because I'm looking at a picture of myself when I was in high school and I never had an afro except for this one day when I was in school. And this was, I was going to go get my hair braided at 125th in Harlem later that day. So I had had my hair in a scarf with some, um, and I had some cornrows underneath. So then I'm walking through the high school hallways and the dean stops me and tells me I have to take my scarf off because, you know, gangs and such. I'm pretty sure you know, my <laughs> headscarf yeah. had flowers on it. But, you know, if I was a part of that floral gang, they wanted to make sure I did not, you know, I wasn't <laughs> repping it hard. So no. I go, <laughs> don't be repping them flowers. Daisies, what, what? Anyway, so I go to the bathroom. I take out, I take off my scarf. I remember the, a bunch of girls in the bathroom. And I had never worn my Afro in public. And I was not necessarily ashamed of it but it was not something I was familiar with and I felt uncomfortable with this idea why did you go because it was having my afro was always something personal as in it was at home my family has seen me with my hair this way obviously my mama has seen me with my hair this way but it was only a transition to something else the afro was never the final do so I was like, okay, well, I don't want these people to see me with my Sealy braids because I had the Sealy braids underneath the scarf. From the color so, purple. <laughs> yes, from the color. You want to never call them Sealy braids? No, I'm not. <laughs> going to have to add that one to my vocabulary. <laughs> so, yeah, I know my- exactly what you're <laughs> So I go to the bathroom. I take, off my, I take out my Sealy braids and <laughs> I pick out my fro. And I remember walking into, it was U.S. history class. Wow, okay. irony. Um, I go into the U.S. history class. And Y'all don't I, learn today. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? <laughs> Actually, now that I think about this, oh, my God, this is an amazing moment in my life. I walk into the U.S. history class. Mind you, my teacher was a Black Jew of Jamaican descent. I but- know a Black Jew of Jamaican descent. <laughs> is it a woman? No. Oh, different person. See? <laughs> I only know one, but apparently it's a thing. Okay, keep oh, going. I'm apparently sorry. it's a thing. So I remember walking in and my best friend, Steve, Steven, um, Steven Guerra from Uptown, anyhow, he was like, oh, shit, that's dope. And I was like, okay. And that just made me feel so much better. And people started taking pictures with me. Because <laughs> you were like, a spectacle. Apparently I was a spectacle. It was also around the last day of school. So everybody was getting really extra hype for no reason. But people started taking pictures with me. I distinctively remember this one white boy in school that was like, can I take a picture with you, Laura? And then that was the first person in my life that asked me, can I touch your hair? And I was like, mm. oh, here it goes. So yeah, later <laughs> that day, got my hair braided oh, up yes. at one two fifth in Harlem. <laughs> and no one else asked that question for a long time. But nowadays, yeah, I rock my little mini fro. And it's my way of trying to be unapologetically Black in Portland. It's I'll d- I dare say that my natural hair is, I mean. A sight to be seen. <laughs> it's a sight to be seen, but I, I sort of wear it now as a political statement. Admittedly, it's not always been that, nor have I cared for it to be that. Yeah, but I get right that. now, it's 
one of the few ways I feel I can be like black and proud and not get shot, at least so, yet. So there's that. I think there's it's that. mentioning that both of us have in the past year, we've been in our respective places for about a year now, moved from New York City. Um, I was in the in Brooklyn, Laura was in the Bronx, born and raised, of course. Blow, 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 blow. Sorry, oh. sorry, I'm not sure. There, I don't I don't know why I did that. Please continue. <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. Are you good? Anyway, we both moved to the West Coast. So I'm in the Bay Area near San Francisco um, in a suburb, rich Lord. And Laura is in Portland, Oregon. And the things that these two places have in common is they are not New York. They are so white. They are so white. Actually, when I first moved here, I met a a girl and she she said her black friend refers to it as Calablackless. Oh, so people up here in the black community, there it does exist. You just have to like look for you it. You gotta find, yeah. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta find it. We got, we got, they we got call Portland because you know off of that um, that show Portlandia, they call it Whitelandia. Oh, so there we go. <laughs> There's that. There's yeah, because it's a thing. It is a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's racist. It's like, ah, nah. Actually, it used to be illegal to be black in Oregon. So now I'm pretty yeah. sure it's not racist. I'm pretty. <laughs> that's sure. racist. That's what. Because <laughs> that that was racist. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, so now both a year ago. Yeah, that was yeah. We've been in the on, in the West for a year, and whenever someone asks me how it is, I say it's different because that is exactly what it is. Um, so that need and desire to make a political statement, I think it feels like walking around in. California or in in Oregon at this time just feels so like stifling like you just don't like New York like feeds you it just like oh yeah there's constant energy the time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I find California to be very beautiful and filled with excellent nature and so many wonderful things but I feel drained because I don't, it's not as vibrant as I'm used to. And I, I know yeah. it's just a different sort of vibrancy that I just am not accustomed to. But I mean, you can't talk to the trees, Aisha. I mean, if you do and they start talking back, let's have a different discussion. But I mean, yes, it's I a different like kind of vibrancy. It's different because I moved here in my late 20s. And just the idea of starting a new circle is just so much for me. And I came with a with a purpose and a goal, and I just haven't really had the time to dedicate to building another community. But in New York, that was never nece- a necessity because it just it was always there. It was everywhere. Yep. Like you didn't have to look for a community. You didn't have to build for a community. You were a part of a community, whether you wanted to be or not. You were just there. constantly mm-hmm. in contact with other humans of different cultures, different races, different economic um, levels. Just everybody is just a it's a melting pot it really is a melting pot there and here it is not um no it's so really it's homog- what is that word homogenous very homogenous um yes in many so, yeah, so i'm doing this you were talking about your hair i'm doing this challenge for myself now this week to go seven full days wearing my hair as it grows out of my head and <laughs> that is a that's it's hard because I have I have what I call hair anxiety. Um, I never knew this about you till you mentioned that earlier this week. I never knew that about you. I I don't know. I feel like I was always encouraged to have my hair neat and and whatever that means. Mm. 
define that however you who pressured you to do that it wasn't necessarily my mom like my mom hates when i put it she calls it that little bun that i (laughs) um she says you got it up in that little knot in the top of your head um she hates that so it's not my mom she did not stifle my hair but at the same time when i whenever i would dare to wear my hair out it'd be like what you gonna do with that hair from, ah, from everyone, from my mama. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it was just like, well, I don't really know what to do with that hair. So this is what it's doing. It's doing what it wants to do. Hashtag, I woke up like this. I woke up like, <laughs> um, and so you know, moisturizing and detangling and all that. Even, no matter how much effort I put into my hair, when I was growing up, I felt like it still did whatever it wanted to do, and that was rough for me because that we grew up in a time where perms were still big. Yeah, I partook in those, but it my curls are so strong that perms weren't enough. Like I still had fluffy, curly, unruly hair. No it sounds like you and uh, Harry Potter have a lot in common. Unruly mm-hmm. hair. Please continue. Mm-hmm. No matter how many chemicals I tried to put in my head, it just damaged it, but it didn't straighten it. It, it would not be tamed. You will not, not tame me. My name is a frizzy fried right. mess. Um, but then I in college did a big chop and regrew it out and all that stuff. And I've gotten to a place where I'm like, I am black and I am beautiful and my hair is wonderful. And it's nice that other people think my hair is wonderful, but I've never fully felt that. And I want to fully feel that. Yeah. I get compliments, like not for nothing. Mm -hmm. I get compliments, compliments Mm -hmm. my hair all the time. People, oh, I love your curls. And that's great. That's nice. But I, I don't hate my hair. I think it's great. I just, I'm. I don't know. I feel like it scares children. <laughs> I feel like when I go for a job interview, if it's not like, mm-hmm. like I have, I have a job interview hairstyle. Um, I actually, I was, I got married a year ago, just before I moved to California. Mm-hmm, I had, mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have time to do my hair <laughs> before my wedding. Um, and I planned for months and months and months what I was going to do with it. I actually did have a test appointment and mm-hmm. it turned out awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the day came, I didn't have a plan. And so I put it in a ponytail. I didn't realize that that was not intentional. It was not intentional at all. It was literally somebody was like, hey, Aisha, you have to go. And it wasn't like, <laughs> you have to go to school, you have to go to work. It was, you have to go to your wedding. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I probably got to go now. <laughs> so I put it in a ponytail and I kept it moving and I made myself not think about it. Well, it looks great. The good thing about me and wedding day is that I promised myself I was not going to be a bridezilla and that whatever happened, I was going to roll with it and we was going to be all right. Mm-hmm. We, we lived, we survived, things happened and it was great. So yeah, so I'm wearing my hat for a week, let it in fly free and just letting the world deal with it. Um, Wow. I've Again, some stairs, but that's what we're doing. Yeah. It's funny because I feel the like you mentioned how it you think it frightens children and the way I feel about when I have like my blown out or stretched out afro is that I can only have that afro if I'm in a good mood because I feel like anytime I enter a room or name or like yeah, namely I remember once I walked into the bus, I was this was still back in New York. And I walked into a bus and I sat behind a baby who was on his mama's shoulders and he just started cracking up and I was in a shitty mood. But then <laughs> baby started laughing and I'm like, you have an afro, you better be happy or ready to make somebody happy because- Baby's laughing is the best thing ever. Oh yeah, that was, that was wonderful. But 
when speaking about job hair interview hair though when I got the job I currently have which is in a very white industry in a very white state I remember I wasn't ready for a job interview I just went to check out the location of this of the space that I was looking to work at and apparently the like hire the store manager was there and he knew who I was and I was like oh dip because I was in little you know tight afro stage I'm pretty sure I had sweatpants on. So clearly I was you not prepared for a job interview that day. You weren't but okay. thankfully I got the job. And I will say that it was nice to know that despite me not thinking I was job presentable, you know, sweatpants aside in, in reference to my hair, that this was considered quote unquote acceptable by the person that was hiring me in this very white space where to this day I've not seen another oh no that's a lie three weeks ago I saw a person with an afro um no. so um so yeah so there, we <laughs> there are at least two of them I know one other one that I saw about six months ago she cool that is not okay um but <laughs> the point is it is reassuring to work for a company that accepted me with my fro because I've seen on the internet at least people talk about having hair that's not considered appropriate and I remember there was this article a couple weeks ago about this dude with beautiful beautiful locks who at a job interview they loved him but said if you want to work here you're gonna have to cut your hair because it's not going to roll over with the other guys which you know do they not understand how dreadlocks work (sighs) how long they take to grow he had years no years invested in that hair no 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 that's not gonna work out laid it was beautiful yeah, like no one could disagree about the beauty of his hair yeah he was not i don't know and this law is ridiculous it's ridiculous <sighs> it's legit, like legitimately by law say no because you have dreadlocks and that yeah yeah is what and like i think even the military recently has started to change some laws in regards to hair in particular because of black women and how they want to wear their hair. And I know you're not allowed to have like loose hair and whatnot, but it was like cornrows weren't going to be considered acceptable. Some bullshit. I don't know. Anyway. What's wrong with cornrows? I don't see. Now I need to look into an article about this. Because yes, it was like some things were acceptable. Other things were not. So I understand neat. Fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no Sealy braids. I get that. No Sealy braids. Fine. But it, it, his hair was wonderful. Yes, it was gorgeous. Like I don't, I don't want to say I envy his hair, but if I woke up looking like that tomorrow, I would be okay with that. it. <laughs> I would, I would be, be okay that. with my hair looking like that on any indeed, day. indeed, indeed. <sighs> Some folks have their dreadlocks and they look nappy and dusty, and they got linen in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not that they have dreadlocks; it's that they don't take care of their hair. Hey, that's just matted, a matted mess. Yes. Like people who care to grow to their hair. Whether it's free flow or free form locks or, you know, locks that are manipulated or whatnot, I feel like those are folks that actually take the most pride in their hair. And there's so many negative misconceptions about people with locks and with dreads that it's just like, again, why it's named Fix It Black Jesus. It's just one of them lies that America tries to perpetuate and yeah, the white man tries I think to perpetuate. Are beautiful. Several of my family members have had them. I used to help. My ex-boyfriend with his, my mom with hers. Like, Oh, I hope my mama with hers, too. And then she got, yeah. she did something else. But yeah, now she got a fro. And then she did something else. And mm-hmm. and it's fine. But the amount of time and energy spent into keeping them neat and clean, it, yeah. 
it's insane. And it is possible to keep them neat and clean. And them their existence is not threatening. Their existence is their existence is not unprofessional. Yes, unless that's opinion. Unless but if you don't take care of any type of hair, it's gonna look unprofessional. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean to, it doesn't have my, anything to do with dreadlocks specifically, and that's my problem with this. My significant other, he's got, you know, chest or chest length. If you were a girl, it would be bra strap length, blonde hair. And you best believe I'd be hand detangling that hair because you ain't leaving out this house looking a hot mess. No, sir. No, sir, you're <laughs> not. You best finger detangle. You better believe he smells like a black girl when he leaves his house after he washed and conditioned. Is Shake he not butter. a black girl? Oh, no, he's not a black girl. Um, <laughs> but he sure smells like one. Shea <laughs> Moisture, hello. <laughs> How you doing? But yes, the black castor oil line in particular. Anyhow. Um, but you know who could be intimidating in dreadlocks? <laughs> Rick James could be intimidating. Oh Did you see yes. him on Judge Mathis? Wait. Wait, was it Judge Mathis? Rick James uh, is on Judge Mathis. You didn't, he was, oh, he was a defendant or was he the, oh shit, what was he? You he mixed was, up your stories, girl. No, Rick James, he was on a judge show. Um, one of those courtroom shows. As, you Young Jock? No, I'm talking about Rick James, like super freak Rick James. He's dead. How is he on a courtroom show? Uh, this was from long ago. No, they done hatched him out of the archives? Yes, I thought you knew this. No, okay. Why? Okay. I thought you were talking about the dude that dressed up like Rick James to rob a bank. Oh, wait, that happened too, but no, no. <laughs> Why did that happen though? Duh. I want to know what the thought process was. When this guy was like, I'm gonna rob a bank, but I'm gonna need a disguise. But did you watch the video that the the the, the <laughs> chose to use a example of Dave Chappelle as Rick James? No to compare the image to. And I'm like, y'all can find a real picture of Rick, Rick James. No. <laughs> Lord, okay. So why was he on a court show? What in the <laughs> It was ridiculousness. I admittedly didn't even watch it to the end, but he was suing his, a person who used to work for him for having hit or tapped him on the butt. And then that person was counter suing Rick James for something else that was ridiculous. I could not watch this to the end. The point is Rick James was on Judge Mathis's show. It was Judge Mathis. It was Judge Mathis, okay. and he was suing because the guy touched his booty, and so I, I guess like he was that. emotionally. That's, that's his, that is his. You know, that's his personal space. Don't touch Look, my booty. I don't know if you've seen the video of the lady that got Molly whopped upside the head with a folder. <laughs> Why? And fell out. <laughs> you didn't see this. Why did that happen? You didn't see this. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. So this, I don't know what happened before it, but this black lady. She's like walking away from the, the judge's bench. And so as she's walking by, she just slaps this white lady on the back of the head with a folder and keeps going. And so the, the lady is in shock. The white lady's in shock. And mm -hmm. there's an, a black man who like stands up immediately and he's making these like nervous sounds like, oh, what's like, oh, what's going on? And then the, the white lady lets out this bellow and then throws herself to the ground. Oh, shit. Wait. Uh wasn't that a bit of a delayed reaction? Yes. Like, what? It was amazing. It was no. amazing. Oh. I don't know. Gosh. I said next time I get shoulder checked in the street, I'm falling all the way out because this lady got a settlement for that. No. Are yes. you serious? They you had to pay 
the the black lady had to pay her medical expenses. What medical fucking expenses? <laughs> and probably some kind house. of damages or something. I don't know. It was it's too much. Aisha, we about to go to New York next week. You know, shoulder I mean, oh, checking yes. is going to happen. The way no, Aisha, don't do that. Ain't nobody gonna stop yes You better stop. No, Aisha. I'm unless gonna, I'm with you to take pictures. Step on me. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, exactly. People gonna step on you. Don't do that unless I'm there to take pictures and be a witness. Don't do that. <laughs> I am the ultimate shoulder checker. Five three, a buck ten on a good day, but I will shoulder check with the best of them. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Can't believe she got a settlement out of that. Ridiculous! 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 Lord of mercy! Oh, but speaking of <laughs> Rick James protecting his space as he should, don't touch his booty. Don't touch. Have you heard Solange's "Don't touch my hair"? I have heard her "Don't touch my hair," and I also read. Her essay. Yeah. Um, I've listened to the whole album that she just released yesterday. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Today we're recording on a, what is this, Saturday? Saturday the 1st. It's the first of the month. Hope you paid your rent. First of the month. Okay, I'm done. Um, But. (laughs) 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 Lord. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Anyway. um, No, her album is great. Um, Oh my gosh. Beautiful. But she wrote this essay about when she'd taken her family to a concert mm-hmm. um, and they were up and they were dancing and having a good time. Her and- family, including her, I think, 10 or so year old son and a friend of his and her husband. Right. And they were just dancing, and having a good time. And I guess the people behind them weren't about it. Mm-mm. White um, women. White women. Um and did they say something first or did they just start throwing stuff? Um, they got there during the, like the show had just started or so. And it was a song that Solange really liked. And apparently she had been telling her son about this music group, which I forget the name of them. And they happened to be playing the song they were just listening to in the car. So of course they're at a concert, they start dancing. Apparently the women behind them were sitting. Why are you sitting at a concert? Get your life. They can but- sit. You know, you have every prerogative to sit, but I have every prerogative to dance at, at a concert. concert. Mm-hmm. At a concert. And sure. apparently these women had been throwing things at Solange's hair and at her and I guess her family throughout the concert. And she did everything in her power to not create a scene because we know how that would have ended up, unfortunately. Um, and she tried to, I guess, minimize herself, if you will, in that point, so that she could be respectful, not so much of those people, of course, but just of her children being there, her Black husband being there, and I guess not trying to create a scene, because again, we know how that could have ended up, um, mm-hmm. but took to, you know, writing on her website an essay about, you know, how do we exist in these white spaces, and how do we it's sort of similar to what you were talking about with your hair, like just being as present as you want to be in your own skin without caring about whether or not you're offending someone else by just being yourself, being joyful, being happy. Like she was trying to be at a concert. So the name of the essay is, and do you belong? And she replied by saying, I do. Um, And it is gorgeous. I rather it's so well written. Yeah. Um, And it definitely goes very well hand in hand with her album where like 
this song called FUBU, which or if a, you are a child yeah. of the 80s and 90s and you know FUBU for you, but no, for us, by us, and that's what the what, theme what? of the song is. And it is just so good. Yeah, it's pretty direct. That's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she uses the N-word a couple times. A couple. And, yeah, and I was and like, like, yes, girl, yes, yes. Girl, yes. Yeah, I mean, everything is not for everyone. And I don't know. I'm a big uh, supporter of safe spaces. And I think there just aren't enough safe spaces for people of color. and Because there's so many of those spaces, or rather so many spaces in general are just white spaces. Standard spaces are usually white spaces. And it, it's exhausting. Um, and it's just so energizing. I'm just looking forward to going to New York next week. And I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I'll just get my lifeblood back. Your lifeblood. It sounds so dramatic and so extreme, but it's so real. Like, it's so real. And oh, I'm please. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. It's going to be a year tomorrow since I moved here. And mm -hmm. we haven't stepped out of this state, except for in January when we went to go visit you guys for New Year's. Um, so that's just to say, we haven't seen too many people of color. And I didn't realize how much I miss just being surrounded by people that look like me. Oh, like it is like my heart is yearning for it because I didn't know how much I'd miss it. It's definitely one of those things. I don't want to say I took for granted because admittedly, I did know that moving to Oregon, that it was a space whose population was very, very homogenous, very, very white, very upper middle class um, in Portland, rather, not necessarily Oregon, but um, it is, it, it hurts sometimes to like recognize that I, you know, we started off this segment talking about how many black people did you see this week? And it, I wish it was something that we were doing just because it was funny, although, but it's, it's just a sad truth that we don't see people of color unless, I mean, for me, unless I am in transit. So if I'm in the bus or I'm at the supermarket, um, I might observe a person of color who's working in service. Um, when I go downtown, which is rare because I so infrequently leave my house because I don't feel safe. For goodness sakes, that man just, what was it last week? Who was, uh, he was arrested very aggressively, of course, while he was waiting for his mama on her porch. Like, no place is safe. You can't even wait for your mama in front of a house. That reminds me of that woman, I believe, a Black woman in California who was almost arrested last year because they thought she was breaking into her own house because her neighbors didn't know that she was a neighbor. So, like, that happened around the time that I moved here and I went out my way to make sure that I walked around this neighborhood several times and waved at everyone and mentioned that I was a new neighbor because I knew how real that could be for that to be me because I live in, you know, a very white place. And it's just, I miss New York so terribly. I just, more than New York, mm -hmm. I miss Black people. I miss you're brown people. It. I miss all of the people. But at the same time, it's going to be so bittersweet. Like, you're going <sighs> to enjoy it so much. It was like, why am I, why am I not here all the time? Like, that's yeah. how I felt last time I went home. Um, yeah. I mean, but. I definitely feel like I've learned some lessons and like I gained some perspective that I wouldn't have had if I would have remained in New York as far as being a black person in this country. I never would have been able to relate to the extent that I do now with a person who's 
grown up in a predominantly white space because I grew up in the South Bronx. I went to school in downtown Manhattan. Like I saw everybody of every color, race, gender, socioeconomic background, educational background on a daily basis. And it's just not the case anymore, obviously. And I'm just, ugh, I just, I can't, I simply cannot, I simply cannot. I can't. Mm-mm. My heart is sad. We're doing good. I mean, we're doing well. We're fine. Um, we'll see how much longer we last out here. We've made it work. <laughs> and I don't want it to seem like I don't like white people and I don't like the people that I've met. Mm-mm. It's not that at all. It's kind of like, it's just like missing your family. Yeah. It's not that other people aren't wonderful in their own way, but they're not your family. That um, is a they, very good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not, they don't make up for that space in your life that uh, was occupied because I, we, we both live near our families or near our, <laughs> in the Northeast for the majority of our lives mm-hmm. or your whole life. Yeah. My whole life. And I moved around a lot, um, but always stayed within a drive, you know, within driving distance of my mom. Um, mm-hmm. So this is different, you know, this is, this is a change, but I have Will and I have my two cats and the dog and, you know, Mm-hmm. Here, um, so I'm okay, but I feel like, I we're, like mm-hmm. we're, getting, we're getting sad here. Let's pep it up. All right, um, so I feel like maybe <laughs> I will. I can I can leave you with a giggle. I don't okay. know if you've seen this video on Facebook, which I'll share with you about men wearing weave, like going to the barbershop <laughs> and requesting. Where they come, they walk in looking like. Like George Jefferson. Like George Jefferson. (laughs) And they walk out looking like kids play. (laughs) Yes. I was actually gonna say, like, um, oh, what's that black man that got the perm just recently? Young Jock. (laughs) He was also on a court show, but we ain't even gonna talk about that. (laughs) But yes, what do you think about men wearing weaves? Um why not? Okay. <laughs> Why not? I, you know, I've never, <laughs> I've never worn a weave per se. I've had like extensions. Mm-hmm. They were big, you know, the braids, the African braids. African yes, you braids. have. You might have to express. I mean, depending on who's listening, you might have to explain um, the difference between weave African and extensions, because you know, I, white people call weave extensions. So. I don't even know how to explain it, though. <laughs> it is Well, the way I would define it, because I'm going to go get my hair braided, miss, as they will tell me when I get out the train on 125th, they'll be like, hair braided, miss, hair braided, miss, and I'm going to go, yes, please. Um, as soon as oh, I when get you to go New York, York, you're going to get your hair yes, braided? Yes, I'm getting my hair braided. I'm. This is so happening. I'm very excited about this. And I'm you getting extensions, because um, <laughs> I want to get micro braids all around. And I want micro braids, but I don't want to take them out, Laura. <laughs> So actually, I'm thinking about getting micro twists instead because the micro, like, because taking out micro braids is not fun. I have paid people $40 (laughs) to take them out of my hair. I don't think there's anybody around here who will do it. I bet you have to find in Oakland. You might. Somebody was trying to make me pay $8 for some shea butter. Oh, And I was like, nah. No. See, that's not bad. At New Seasons, which is like a whole paycheck type supermarket out here. They have shea butter for like $15. No! <laughs> I'm like, I could go to one two fifth, get a pound of it for $5. Yes, it never costs more than $5. From the motherland. You better get out I, of here with that. 
I walked in. I saw the price. I walked out. I, said, I wish it was eight dollars. I might have bought it. Shit, fifteen dollars. Nah, nah. Yeah. So the extensions essentially it's fake hair that they add on to your hair while braiding it or doing twists to your hair. But anyway, enough of that. We don't need to overexplain because most of the people listening Google to it. this, I, yes, <laughs> Google it. There you go. Google is your friend. Google, there's a difference. That is what you need to know. Boom, there's a difference. But yeah, (laughs) so I guess, I mean, I'm, you're, you're married. I'm I'm married. um, I am in, I'm in a relationship. So I'm, neither one of us will have the opportunity, at least not in any near future for at least a spouse or perhaps a friend to weave check them. Are you familiar with this term? Weave checking? (laughs) That is when in... (laughs) <laughs> that is when a person usually a man a black man who was you know in the know would put his hands on the back of your neck and then you know crawl his fingers up through your scalp to check for some tracks so i'm saying i feel like we're moving in a direction where we got, as women are gonna have to do that to our men if we want to make sure they're all natural but you know there's that oh. No, there. <laughs> we checking dudes. <laughs> Hashtag we checking, we checking to 2017. That's what's happening. Nobody, but in their defense, women have been changing their hair, they butt, they boobs, mm-hmm. lips, they nose, they eyelashes. Oh my lord, what is what? what that's why I say why not. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not against it. Whatever. You know, Live do you, life. boo. Do you, exactly. Do you. you pay for it. <laughs> Make sure you pay for it. Exactly. And then you leave, but you pay first. Mr. But George like, Jefferson turned into young job. Like the Indian hair, like they use for the women? I or... don't know. But the one I'm looking at, he, I mean, like it's, it's a like whole video. Like, it how is. does that work? I don't know, but it's a whole video. I'm about to, I'm going to post this on the Fix It no, Back Jesus Facebook it page. Explain. It did not answer um, all the questions. It didn't answer all your questions? Well, if somebody knows what kind of hair this is or how you know i have question so you can reach out to us um, that's not a question for black twitter either i don't i think we can ask other people this question i don't know maybe black twitter knows i'm asking anybody who might know something okay (laughs) i need answers about men getting weeds where does the hair come from what is the the hair come from yes is this a sustainable situation (sighs) i don't know I think we should wrap it up there (laughs) with that great question. All I know is I'm going to be watching Mary J. Blige. What's the 411? Wait, why? Because I need, I need to understand. I need to answer. You need to answer. You need to understand. I need to know (laughs) like the meme. I need to know what Hillary Clinton is going (laughs) to do about this epidemic of hateration in the dancer. Okay. (laughs) I also need to know why Mary J. Blige broke out in song randomly. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna find out. So, yeah, I think we're I think we're I think we're done here. Okay, all right. Do we is, um, do we have a question to ask, folks? To oh wait, maybe we should tell people how they can engage with us on the social yeah, media. I think everything we talked about today we'll put on our Facebook, mm-hmm. which is Fix It Black Jesus. So www.facebook.com/slash Fix It Black Jesus. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Please Indeed. follow us in all of these places at Fix It Black Jesus, spelled correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that'll do it. I'm Ask Aisha. Questions. Hey, I'm Laura Solis. Um, this was Fix It Black Jesus. Peace We're out. Bye.
please fix it, black Jesus. Uh,